Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Dr. E.J. McKenzie on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, there's keys that God has 
given us. Sometimes you can have a key and don't even know that you have a key. So we want to look at some things I think is going to uh, help us in our walk with the Lord, and I believe the Lord is going to challenge us. Because every, I personally believe, every person uh, on the face of the earth, every Christian, have experienced this or been challenged with this, this particular area, in order for us to, and Satan understands it, understands it. But I want to tie this in tonight. Let's go to the book of Mark, chapter 11. Basically, if you have uh, been in the church for a while, uh, you're probably familiar with the scripture. Uh, uh, you've probably heard it preached many times. Uh, this chapter, rather, a uh, scripture from this chapter. Excuse me. So let's look at something here uh, in the book of Mark, chapter 11. Usually, you say Mark chapter 11, the first thing the average person think about is faith. In the book of Mark, let me see where I want to start here. Um, let's start here at um, verse 20. This is after Jesus had cursed a fig tree. And uh, here is the power of words again. Verse 20, now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. The fig tree that you cursed has withered away. So anything that is cursed will have a tendency to wither. Anything that is cursed. It's designed to wither. Now, do Satan know that? Absolutely. So Jesus cursed the fig tree. When he cursed the fig tree, there was no instant manifestation. There was no instant demonstration. So the next morning as they coming back by that way, Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away which you curse has withered away. Many times we look at this particular passage of Scripture and we focus on this chapter, rather, not this Scripture, but this chapter, because the next verse, it goes into faith. It goes into faith. Uh, let me go ahead and read it, and then i come back to this, right, because I, I think it's a very powerful principle here that I believe it will be a blessing to you. Now, notice Satan didn't curse the fig tree. Notice Jesus cursed the fig tree. One of the things, uh, uh, I do a lot of teaching in the areas of spiritual warfare. That's the area that grace, God has graced me in. And I personally believe that to become proficient in spiritual warfare, you have to be in battles. You have to be in battles. It's not reading the Bible, not reading the book. It's not listening to a sermon. Those things prepare you for spiritual warfare. I believe you become more skillful in anything by practice, by engaging. Uh, I played seven different sports when I was growing up, so I was always actively engaged in some kind of contest. Uh, I was a swimmer, a box, I wrestled, I played football, I played basketball, I ran track, uh, uh, gymnastics, 
uh, uh, was always engaged in some kind of competition. And that's probably why God raised me up uh, 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 in the areas of spiritual warfare, not just teaching me, but putting me in situations, putting me, allowing things to take place for me to be able to put to use the things that he had educated me in, the things that I read, the things that hurt my pastor teach or whatever. Now he put me in a situation to utilize uh, that information so I can become skillful. That's how God operates, ladies and gentlemen. So you may be in the midst of something that seems like it's excruciating. It is difficult. I guarantee you what God has spoken to you, what you have heard, I guarantee, if you engage, and I think the problem with the majority of us that when we engage since we don't see nobody, I think that's probably the problem. I don't see nobody. So I don't see if it's working or not. Baby, it's working. Are you hearing? It's working. When you when you speak to that devil by faith, when you speak that circumstance by faith, you keep hitting that thing and hitting that thing. Ask God to grace your spirit, man, to become sensitive. When you sense a release in your spirit, you don't see nothing in the natural. Everything in the natural seems like it's still going on. It seems like nothing has changed. But once you get a release in your spirit, you can take it to the bank. It's over. It's over. And that's why you and I have to become uh, more spiritually inclined and in tune than we are natural. And what I mean by that, you and I really got to believe in our human spirit more than our five senses. It's your five senses that trip you up. You and I could never, ever walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, see in the Spirit, hear by the Spirit when you and I allow the five senses to dominate us, to entrap us, to govern us, to guide us, making decisions by them. You're going to fail every single time. So Jesus, he cursed the fig tree. Satan didn't curse it. Jesus cursed it. And, and this should show you something. I did a, a message years ago called Curse Breakers. But in that book of the message, and, and this would be a, a good refresher for uh, those of you that have heard me minister that, uh, and, but I haven't ministered so long, it's been years. So probably the majority of people on our broadcast have never heard this message before. But I did a message called Curse Breakers. In that particular message, I show you in the word of the living God, nowhere in the scripture you can see where Satan cursing anyone. You can't see it. You don't see it nowhere. The first curse comes from God, and basically every curse comes from God. God is the one that cursed the serpent. God is the one that cursed the ground. God, not Satan, he cursed it. Now, that means a curse is the opposite of a blessing. Isn't that right? Absolutely. It is the opposite of a blessing. So he cursed the ground. With the children of Israel, uh, before the children of Israel went into the land of Canaan, God had them stand between two mountains, the mountain of blessing and the mountain of curses. When Satan, it was God. God is the one that 
cursed. Now, why do curses come? Curses usually come as a result of disobedience. Here, go to, go to one of the most famous ones uh, is, is that every Christian, if you've been saved well, a little while, know of Malachi 3. Jesus said, not Jesus, uh, uh, God says through the prophet Malachi, uh, uh, this whole nation has robbed me. So how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. He says, you're cursed with a curse. You're cursed with a curse because you robbed me in tithes and offering. Now, here it is again. Satan is not the one that is cursing. God cursed as a result of what? Disobedience. I, I look at it this way. Uh, uh, I believe in the divine laws of God. I believe that when God finished his creative work in six days, that the Bible said he rested from his work. That means that means from the time God finished his creative work, everything, everything is governed by law. God don't have to do anything. The Bible said he rested from his work. That means God is not creating anything else. There's nothing else will ever be created in this realm until there's a renovation of the heavens and the earth, a new heaven and a new earth according to the book of Revelation. That everything that will come forth in this realm has already create, been created. I didn't say made, but created. Anything that is coming to existence, it comes to existence by what has already been created. When you build a house, the raw material has already been created. It was created uh, 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 um, over 7,000 years ago, about 7,000 years ago. They created then. When, G when God finished creating everything, there's nothing else that was created. So everything that's ever going to come into existence in this realm has already been created, but it has not been made. So there's a difference in made, something that is made and something that is created. Everything that's made is made out of what is already created. So, so the divine law, God has already... Uh, finish his work, not doing anything. So every, all the creation is operating under divine law. Operating under what? Divine law. The sun, the moon, the stars, the solar system, the constellations, uh, uh, the birds that fly is operating by divine law. The trees that grow, the seeds that plant into the ground, you don't have to pray, is operating by divine law. If you activate the law, it will work. If I'm ignorant of the law, then what's going to happen, then I'm going to fall upon a curse. Or I'm going to fall upon the opposite of a blessing. If I violate the law, then I end up submitting myself to a curse. If I apply the law, I submit myself to a blessing. Are you getting this? So, so... So God's not doing anything else. Now, watch this here. Beautiful. Jesus cursed the fig tree because there was no figs on the tree. And he's cursed it and said, no man will eat from you from this day forth. How did he curse the fig tree, ladies and gentlemen? All curses and all blessings is released by words. It's released by what? Words. Now, why did he curse the fig tree? He cursed the fig tree 
because there was no figs on the tree. Now, you say, that seems like selfish to me. Well, think about it. Jesus is the word that became flesh. He know what the tree is supposed to be producing. So he cursed a tree because it wasn't producing. It was not doing what it was created to do. What was it created to do? To bring forth figs. So he cursed it. He said, no man will eat from you from this day forward. The next morning they walked by, Peter remembered Jesus cursed the fig tree. Look, Jesus, whoa! The fig tree is dried up. Now I'm bringing this out. This is not what I really want to talk about. But the, uh, this is how God used me. I mean, I'm seeing things I never saw before. This at work. Now watch this right here. He cursed something that was not producing. God is a producing God. Genesis 1 tells us that he told everything he created instead of a good, he said, you are to re reproduce after your kind. You are to reproduce after your kind. So therefore, fig tree, you was created to produce figs. There is no figs. So you are not reproducing. Everything that God spoke, he spoke it and said, the seed is within the seed. And you are created to reproduce after your kind. So you're in existence, but you're not obeying the Father. You're not obeying the original commandment. You receive a commandment, and God places blessing on you. You're not producing fruit, so I curse you. And, and if you really think about it, by the mere uh, fact that it was not producing fruit, it was cursed anyway. That means it was under the, the influence of Satan. Because how you say it was under the influence of Because it wasn't under the influence of God, because God gave it a command in Genesis chapter 1. God gave it a command to bear fruit. God gave it a command to produce figs. So it wasn't producing figs. So he cursed and said, no man will eat from you from this day forward. Now I'm going somewhere with this. So we see Jesus pronouncing a curse on an on an uh, unproductive, thank you, an unproductive tree. He cursed it. Now, I never saw this before to the day as I begin to share this. In matter of fact, this is what even the scripture I was looking at in this verse here. But the Lord is speaking to us and giving us revelation today. That you and I have a right to curse every unproductive thing in our lives. Curse poverty. Curse sickness. Curse disease. Curse confusion. Tell confusion, you will not operate in my life. Tell sick, you will not. I curse you to the root. Die. Sickness. Die disease, death, die. I will not die a premature death. I will fulfill the divine and perfect will of Almighty God. He cursed the unproductive field, uh, 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 fig tree. Satan knows how to bring unproductive things in your life to get us occupied with that which is unproductive. 
and we spend so much time trying to produce, make it grow, make it produce when it's unproductive. Jesus cursed it. You curse it today. You curse the unproduction in your life. You curse the unproductive prayer life. You could curse the unproductive study life. You curse the unproductive intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You curse every unproductive thing. The source of unproduction, I don't know the word unproduction, that which is not producing. You have no place in my life. You have no right in my life. I curse to the root unproductive thoughts. I curse to the root unproductive imaginations. I curse it in Jesus' name. Now let's go on. Never in my life have I ministered that before. But the Spirit of God is ministering to us by His Spirit to encourage you for you to rise up and be the man of God, the woman of God that God has ordained upon and on you to be. And it's time out for you and I constantly yielding and submitting ourselves to that which is unproductive. It's time out. Say, today is the day. Enough is enough. I am, will not submit to uh, 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 that which is unproductive anymore. In the name of Jesus. I speak production to my red and white blood cells. I speak, I command my red and white blood cells to be blessed. Two things happen. In Genesis chapter 1, we see God created and speaking a blessing over it. Over it. The curse is mentioned in Genesis chapter 3 because of disobedience. Body, you will obey your creator. And you will function to the divine order which your created uh, uh, created you to function. I command my brain to function to the divine order which the Creator created it to function. I command them, my limbs, my joints, and my bones to function to the divine order which the Creator created you to function. I speak a blessing over my joints. I speak a blessing in my bones. I speak a blessing to my marrow. I speak a blessing to my heart. I speak a blessing to my liver. I speak a blessing to my kidneys. I speak a ble- blessing to my lungs. I speak a blessing to my glands. I speak a blessing to my scalp. I speak a blessing to my hair. I speak a blessing to my pancreas. I sp- Are you getting this? I speak a blessing to my immune system. Either it's blessed or it's cursed. If it's under, under the dominion of the kingdom, it's blessed. If it's under the dominion of Satan, it's cursed. But the problem is you don't know that. You don't understand that. So you just submit and yield. Just a little bit in you. I went to the, uh, uh, got some uh, glasses. My uh, glasses uh, is uh, breaking, so I went and uh, got another pair today. And young lady that was assisting me uh, was talking, and uh, I said something to her about, uh, sight, and I, I said, um, she said, well, you're going to have cataracts one day. I said, I'm not going to have cataracts. She said, everybody get cataracts. I said, everybody get cataracts? She said, yes. I said, so everybody going to have cataracts? She said, yes. I said, I will not have cataracts. 
she 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 starts smiling, and I said, I know uh, uh, what you're probably thinking. You don't went to school for this, and you know what medical science say. She said, well, you know that just like with the Bible, uh, not she said about just like what uh, uh, they, they they teach in school when you get start getting forty. You, you know, you, uh, you start needing reading glasses, you start, you know, uh, scrunching your eyes, blah, blah, blah. I said, so you mean to tell me you believe that what they teach you in school is greater than what God can do? They said, oh, no, no. Oh, I believe he can do anything. I, I'm an I'm a ordained minister. I said, you're an ordained minister, but you believe in what you taught, was taught in school more than what. She said, no. Well, you got to understand. I got to tell the people what I was taught in school because I work here, which makes sense. Which makes sense. In a, in a way, it makes sense. But she said, but I, well, I, well, I believe you can do it. I said, I do too. I will not have cataracts. I speak it, decree, and declare it to be so. I speak restoration and reconciliation to my eyes. I told her, I, I, I told her, I said, I'm not going to be wearing these all the time anyway. I wear them more for reading these things. I said, I'm not going to be wearing these all the time anyway. She started smiling. I really believe that. I'm not saying that there's a lot of times those Christians, we just get, get into the confession thing, just making, just saying things because we hear everybody else say it, but we really don't believe it. I'm speaking to my eyes. I want to... Uh, uh, recommend a, a word that we ministered on Sunday. Uh, I really would believe it'll be a blessing uh, to you. We was talking about some principles of reconciliation. The ministry. Do you not understand that it's my responsibility, your responsibility to command uh, that which have not manifestedly been reconciled to God, to be reconciled to God because it's already been done in the realm of the Spirit. It has to be done here. That means my eyes. I've been speaking, decreeing, and declaring that my eyes and my vision has been reconciled in harmony and favor with the Most High God. I've been speaking to my body. I've been speaking to my brain. I've been speaking to my red and white blood cells. I've been speaking to my joints and my bones. you got to do that. I command it to be reconciled in harmony and favor with the Most High God. God don't have any vision problem. God don't have no joint problem. God don't have no red and white blood cell problem because he don't have no blood, but he don't have any of those problems. So he didn't create us with problems. You and I are born again of the Spirit. We're no longer under the enslavement and the dominion of this realm, nor Satan. You and I, ladies and gentlemen, have been reconciled. But, if, see, see, I can be reconciled but don't know I'm reconciled and don't understand what it means to be reconciled. It ain't just your spirit, baby. It's everything. You've been purchased with a price. You've been bought. Your spirit, soul, body belongs unto the Lord. He literally was wounded for our transgression and bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement you we should have got, he took it. And with this Christ, we are not going to be healed. We are healed now. It's a fight. A fighting a good fight of faith. Not caving in. Let's go back to this verse, if you will. Are you getting this? Now, Peter was astonished about the tree withering up. Let people be astonished in your life. Let people be astonished in my life. That which has been plaguing us for years, 
curse it to the root. And when you wake up in the morning, expect it to be dried up. Expect failure to be dried up. Expect uh, a confusion to be dried up. Expect fear to be dried up. Expect whatever you've been challenged with to be dried up. If it's pornography you're struggling with, curse it to the root. Curse it. Put a curse on it. Because it's not of the kingdom. And you tell it you will not be a part of my life. And let people be astonished. Say, something different about you. Just smile, because you already know what it is. Because whatever that thing was hounding you for years has been dried up. Oppression has been dried up. Put a curse on oppression. Put a curse on depression. Put a curse on stress. We bring all that foolishness into the kingdom of God and believe what the doctors and everybody say than what God says. Let's move forward. So verse 22, so Jesus answered and said to them, not Peter, to all of them, have faith in God. He said to them, what? Have faith in God. So you mean to tell me when you spoke to that fig tree and cursed that fig tree, you knew the fig tree was going to dry up because you had faith in God? Absolutely. My whole life on this earth is governed by my relationship with the Father. Faith in God, ladies and gentlemen, is a relationship. Faith is not about obtaining things. Faith is not about getting things. Faith is not about getting out of trouble. Faith is not about stopping stopping uh, uh, the enemy from attacking you. No, no, no. It's faith in him who is your shield. Faith in him who is your butler. Faith in him who is your provider. Faith in him who is your healer. Faith in him who is your deliverer. You've got to understand how it works. It's not magic. It's not you got faith. Because I'm going to show you in a few minutes here, but this is where we have missed it concerning faith, even though we not we don't supposed to be teaching on faith tonight. I want to get to, want to get to somewhere. I hope I get to it before uh, we we conclude tonight. So verse 22 says, he said, have faith in God. And this is the one that we are very familiar with, 23 and 24. The majority of uh, people uh, that has joined the radio broadcast today, you and if you've been saved at least a year or two, uh, you probably heard this scripture minister before Mark 11, 23 and 24. Now, notice what it says, if you will. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, whoever says. Now, you've got to understand what the scripture always interpreted itself. Now, notice it says, for, I, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain. But you've got to understand what he said before he said verse 23. What did he say before he said 23? Even though he wasn't speaking in chapter and verse, he said, have faith in God, then say. Have faith in God, then say. We want to say without having faith in God. Jesus showing him something. I have faith in God. I spoke to the tree. It died. Watch this here. Verse 23. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, 
but believes that those things he says will be done. For he will have whatever he says. Let's go back to that if you will. Let's break it down. First is to have faith in God. Have faith in who? God. For surely I say to you, whoever, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt, and does not doubt in his heart, but what? Believe but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Even though I'm not teaching on faith, but it prepares for where I'm going. My question would be to you. Who moved the mountain? Who moved the mountain? Was your faith move the mountain? Was your believing with your heart move the mountain? No. You're responsible for saying. God is responsible for moving. When Jesus cursed the fig tree, he spoke a word to the fig tree because it was words that created the fig tree. Who created the fig tree? God. Hebrews 11.3 says what? By faith we understand that the world was framed by the word of God. And things which appear is made of the things which do not appear. So who spoke the worlds into existence? God. How did it come together? By his word. The same word that brought it together is the same word can undo what it did. But who is the author? God. Who is the source? God. But what is my responsibility? To speak and to believe and doubt not. Speak, believe, doubt not. Speak, believe, doubt not. Go ahead and say that with me if you will. Speak, believe, doubt not. Then it goes on to say, and you shall have whatever you say. I have. What did Jesus have? He had a cursed fig tree. He had a what? Cursed fig tree. Why did he curse it? Because it was unproductive. So can I curse what is unproductive? Yes. Because what is unproductive is cursed anyway. It's cursed anyway. If you even go to the book of John, chapter 15, it talks about a tree that a branch that does not bear fruit. And the father cuts it off and put it in the fire and burns it. It's good for nothing. Anything that's not productive good for nothing. Are you getting this? So you can curse everything that is unproductive in your life and say no more. Now, this is beautiful. Then it goes on to verse 24. Therefore I say to you, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray. Now, he shifts from speaking. Now he's going into prayer. Because when you pray, who do you pray to? God. 
So my speaking should be in alignment with God. My praying should be in alignment with God. So if I'm speaking to the fig tree uh, or the mountain, telling the mountain to be thy removed and be thy cast into the sea, I'm speaking to it on the behalf of God. Remember in John chapter 5, verse 19 and verse 30, Jesus said, I of myself can do nothing. What I see the Father do, I do. What I hear the Father say, I say. I of myself can do nothing. Then if Jesus could not do anything, what makes you and I think we can do something? So if Jesus said, I do what I see the Father doing. I speak what I hear the Father say. I of myself can do nothing. So that means he couldn't have cursed the fig tree. He just spoke the word of the curse. The Father performed it. We speak to the mountain. The Father removes it, causes it to move. So he can get all the glory. He can get all of the honor. He can get all the praise. Are you getting this, ladies and gentlemen? If we just get this down pat, I believe God would do even greater things to it. But one of the reasons we're not seeing greater things, we don't believe. But I think the most important thing is because we do it for people to praise us. We do it for people to worship us. We do it for people to validate us. We do it for people to think that we're somebody that we're struggling with, not realize we're already somebody in him. Do you really, if I re, if everybody, I believe, this radio audience, will come to the place and allow the Spirit of God to lead you to a place of death, dying to yourself, that there's nothing that's left but Christ, you live only to bring pleasure to him. I believe we have seen nothing yet. You're talking about the supernatural. Nothing. Verse 30, uh, 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Let's break that down. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray. Now, I know what, how this has been broken down in the areas of uh, the faith movement. and use when we teach on faith. And, and it's clearly the scripture said, whatever, 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 whatever things you ask. If you think about it, ladies and gentlemen, if you really, really think about it and break this thing down from a theological perspective, notice what Jesus says in John 15, uh, no, not 15, John 5 and 19. I of myself can do nothing, but what I see the Father doing, I do. What I hear the Father say, I say Did Jesus ever live for himself? Absolutely not. He lived to bring pleasure to the Father. The will of the Father, it is my meat to do the will of the Father, he says, or my pleasure to do the will of the Father. So when the scripture says, whatever thing you desire, so this is Jesus saying it. Now think about it. Now, do, do we go beyond Jesus? Should I be asking, he said, what's the thing you desire? Well, what should be my desire? My desire should please 
the Son as the desire was the Son to please the Father. So the Son's desire was to please the Father. My desire should be to please Jesus. What if I'm asking Jesus for, I should be asking him for it for him to be glorified, for him to be magnified. But think about it. How many of us really ask, ask the Father in Jesus' name? for things to please the Father? Or do we ask the Father in Jesus' name for things we want? I know this probably messing with some of your theology right about now. So what? It's about relationship. Those of you that work, that went to work today, did you go to work for you? Or did you go to work for the boss that hired you? Your supervisor that hired you, the company that hired you? You went there for them. They compensate you for going there for them. Well, why did he save you? Did he save you for him to be a servant to you? Or did he save you for you to be a servant to him? To accomplish his will. To execute his purpose. So if we understand it from that perspective, from a theological perspective, it says, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. I want this for you. I need wisdom to execute this situation for you. I need power to cast this devil out for you. I need finances to build this for you. He said, believe that you receive it, you shall have it. Wow. You mean to tell me, preacher, that I can't pray for a house? Well, he tells me in the book of Matthew chapter 6, uh, uh, and the latter, I think the latter five verses, he said, the heathen and the pagan pray for houses. The heathen and the pagan pray for shelter, clothing, and food. He said we shouldn't even pray for that. That's automatic. You said that's, automa- that's automatic. That's why it goes on the end and it said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, these things shall be added. The house going to come, the, 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 the clothing going to come, the food going to come. You never even have to pray for that. He said the pagan pray for those things. Are you not much better than a pagan, a heathen, he says? And I think a lot of us have shortchanged ourselves because I believe because you have prayed for a house and prayed for a car and prayed for this, you got what you prayed for, but I personally believe you didn't pray for it. God would have gave you something exceedingly abundant above all you was able to ask or think. I believe you limited him. I really do. But this is where I want to go tonight. This is where I want to go. The next verse, ladies and gentlemen. Because this one right here, there's very few people that have not ever struggled with this upon the face of the earth. Verse 25. It says, and whenever you stand praying, If you have anything against anyone, 
forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Now let's break this thing down. He's talking about faith. He's talking about uh, 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 speaking to a mountain. He's talking about whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you receive it, you shall have it. And then he continues because, notice what the scripture is, verse 28, and whenever you stand pray, and it's a conjunction word. A conjunction word is connecting the previous verse with the present verse. It connects. We love 24. Therefore I say unto you, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. We love that. And, and connects. And also, Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Why? Because this ain't going to work. 23, 24, it's not going to work. You will not be able to speak to a mountain and tell the mountain, be thy removed and be thy cast in the sea. Doubt not in your heart. And you shall have whatsoever you say. That ain't going to happen. This is not going to happen, verse 24. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. It's not going to work if I don't do 25. You want to know why? Because unforgiveness is like a curse. Other words, when you don't forgive, you bring a curse on yourself. Whoa. When you don't forgive, you begin to dry up just like the fig tree. Whoa. Ladies and gentlemen, and Satan understands it. Satan understands. You want to know why? Because unforgiveness blocks your flow. Unforgiveness. Now notice when Peter mentioned about the fig tree, was cursed, dried up, the first thing Jesus said, have faith in God. When you walk in unforgiveness, it is impossible for you to have faith in God. Because your focus has shifted from God to yourself. What somebody has done to you. What somebody has said about you. How somebody has wounded you. Have somebody has hurt you. So the enemy has already manipulated you. He's already manipulated you. When you get a chance, I'm, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you that you're already cursed. When you and I refuse to forgive somebody that has lied on us, hurt us, wounded us, violated us, God already knows what somebody has done to you, ladies and gentlemen. And he's commanding you to forgive. 
He's not asking you to forgive for the person's sake that violated you. He's asking you to forgive for your sake and his sake. Because unforgiveness breaks your relationship with him. Unforgiveness breaks your fellowship with him. You are no longer tied to God, but when you, when you refuse to forgive, you are tied to the person that has wounded you. You bind yourself to the person that has hurt you, that's violated you. Not only do you bind yourself to the person that violated you, but you also submit yourself to the person. You come up under the authority of the person that has wounded you. He said, no, I don't either. Yes, you do. Because you can't get them off of your mind. You cannot stop thinking about what they've done to you. How could they done, have done this to me? Adam been there. You know what it sounds like to me? Entitlement. That's all it is. You believe that you're more important and you're more valuable than you being violated. How could you do this? <laughs> Been there. <laughs> you have to fight to keep your spirit clean. You have to fight to keep your heart clean. And I know this is the Holy Ghost tonight. Just in prayer, I got demon. Just in prayer, and just dropped in my spirit. What is your heart for the people tonight? Instantly drop unforgiveness. It's stopping me blessing my people, hindering me from manifesting my presence, my glory, hindering me from releasing to them what I promised them. How could I give them what I promised them when they will not give somebody else what they need? You say, what are you talking about, preacher? Give somebody else what they need. Do you know what the word unforgiveness means? Unforgiveness means un, un, ungiven. You have ceased to give somebody something that they need for them to be free. You're holding them in bondage and not realizing you're holding yourself in bondage. When you refuse to forgive, then the Father can't forgive. You got that person tied up. Do you not understand the power of forgiveness? That means God allow people to be delivered into our hands. He, he allow people to be delivered into our hands. How do you allow When they violate you, they hurt you. They really did sin against you. It was wrong what they did. It really was. But why would he allow that to happen? To make you more like him? who has forgiven you of everything that you've done. When you get a chance, I want you to read the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verse 23 to 35, when you get a chance. If you get a chance tonight, that will be great. This, this is the account of a, uh, uh, a king uh, settling his accounts with his servant. And... Uh, uh, a servant owed him tremendous. He getting ready to put him in prison, throw him in jail, his family in jail, his wife in jail, children in jail, and he begged the king forgave him. Another individual turns around and 
uh, owed him $20. He beat him up and put him in prison. His debt was so small, but he owed the king in the millions. This guy only owed about $20. Notice what the scripture says here. I'm going to read the latter part of it, if you will. Then his master, uh, let me see where I want to start at. Uh, so when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant. Call him what? You wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. How many of us have said, God, forgive me? How many of us have ever asked God to forgive us? Every last one of us. God, 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 God forgive me. That's what it says here. He says, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have also have had compassion on your fellow servant? Just as I had pity on you. What I want to ask you a question. All of us have been there. What is it that calls us to forget the great debt that has been released from us when we ask God to forgive us? But we can hold on to the, the petty stuff that happened to us. You know why? Because what people do to us is magnified thousands of times compared what we feel like we have done to God. So what we feel like we've done to God is so small, it's so it's so tiny. But what somebody done did to me is gigantic. Huge. How could you do this to me? But well, we something else, this flesh, isn't it? That pride. Pride blinds us. Pride don't allow us to see how wicked we are. We just see just how bad somebody done done us. That's what pride does. Notice what it says here. He says, should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry. Are you understanding? According to this, God get angry when you and I refuse to forgive somebody has violated us when God has forgiven you and I this great debt. See, the difference between people and God, people don't know the ugly and the nasty thoughts that you think towards them. They only respond to the things you do to them. But God hears those negative Dirty thoughts that you think that is contrary to his word. He look at your dirty motives. He look at your actions. He look at those dirty dreams that you be dreaming at night. He forgive you for all that stuff when you ask him. So he says here, and his master was very, was angry. And deliver him to the tormentors, the torturers, excuse me. Deliver him to what? The torturers. His master delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. No, know what the scripture says. This is Jesus talking. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you 
from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. He will do that. And a lot of you all right now is being tormented. You've been tormented. And you're trying to bind Satan. You're trying to rebuke Satan. You cannot be delivered from the torturers. You've been tormented. You cannot be delivered from the tormentors until you make a decision. I forgive you. I forgive my brother. I forgive my sister. I forgive my spouse. I forgive my children. I forgive my mother. I forgive my father. I forgive my pastor. I forgive my boss. I forgive my next door neighbor. I forgive. I release you from my heart. Until you and I really, really forgive from our heart, you will be oppressed and depressed and suppressed, and you don't understand what it is. Those are torturers. Those are the tormentors that he have delivered you into their hands. Are you getting this? And God is angry with you. And God is angry with you because you refuse to forgive. You refuse to forgive those that have violated you, and you don't forget all the people that you have wounded, all the people you hurt, and all of the people that you have violated. He says here, so my heavenly Father will also do to you. This ain't the devil, ladies and gentlemen. And what you don't realize and understand, think about it. When you and I refuse to forgive, just like Jesus cursed the fig tree, you curse yourself. You curse yourself. You bring the curse upon you. You bring the tormentors upon yourself. You bring the torturers upon yourself. But, but you don't know what my husband did to me. You don't know what my wife did to me. You don't know what my children did to me. But God knows what uh, you did to him. Can it be in comparison when he sent his son to die on Calvary's cross for the remission of our sin, forgave you, cleansed you, washed you, purged you, put a robe of righteousness on you. We something else. We are something else. But he goes on to say, back to Mark 11, as we get ready to close, he says here, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your heavenly, your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. And this is what amazes me. We can hear this and we'll still pray tonight and have not forgiven. We'll hear this and we'll get on the last Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday prayer line and, and, and have unforgiveness in our heart. We'll, we'll, we'll hear this, we'll go get, do our devotion, our regular Routine, our morning devotion, our meditation time, and it means absolutely nothing. You want to tell you why it means nothing? You're not hearing from God. But the Lord did speak. You ain't hearing from God. You have cut yourself off from God. Unforgiveness cut you off from God. Because if the Lord is speaking to you, the only thing he's going to be saying to you Go get it right with your brother. Go get it right with your sister. Go get it right. Go get it right. Go to get it right. But you're going to walk away from them. Oh, you know, I got the word. That was your intellect. That wasn't the Holy Spirit. You already developed in your intellect. 
and you got an intellectual understanding out of the word of the Lord, you did not get a revelation by the Spirit of God. Spirit of God ain't speaking to you. You're under the influence of the tormentors, the torturers. Until you forgive from your heart, that is when you're going to be released. Then the Spirit of God will bring you back into proper fellowship with the Lord Jesus and Jesus' proper relationship with the the Father himself. Now he can begin to speak to you. We bring curses upon ourselves. The devil don't bring curses. Don't see it in the Bible. We don't see it in the Bible. Are you getting this? Ladies and gentlemen, my time is up. I know this was the word of the Lord for you today. Not for you, but all of us. I know it's the word of the Lord because I know many of you uh, uh, is waiting for the manifestation of your blessing, your breakthrough. But why would he give me this to give to you? Out of the blue, boom, just out of my spirit. Because he loves us. He wants to examine our heart and our mind so we won't be contaminated. And we're drying up to the root because of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness leads to resentment, and resentment always leads to bitterness. And bitterness defiles the whole body, the scripture says. The whole man is defiled. Defiled. Ladies and gentlemen, do not forget, invite your family and friends to be with us the last Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Go to our website, ejmpcc.com, and get the uh, the number and the code. Join us. But don't join us if you've got unforgiveness. Don't even come on the line. Come on the line with a clean spirit so you and I can, can, can uh, go forth in great strength and great power, great authority, and break through and break through on the behalf of others because we've experienced a breakthrough in ourselves because we have are, we are, we are forgiven any, every person that has wounded us and hurt us. Let me pray this prayer for you. Father, we are so grateful and thankful for speaking to us tonight. And we thank and we praise you, Lord God, for opening up our eyes, even the eyes of our understanding and challenging our thinking today. We want to thank and we praise you for giving us the grace to see by the Spirit of God and to hear by the Spirit of God and the grace, oh God, to, to forgive every person that has set themselves up against us, every person that wounded us, every person that hurt us, every person that has lied to us, every person that has assassinated our character. Lord God, we forgive them today. We will to forgive them. Our parents, our siblings, uh, our spouses, our children, uh, our neighbors, uh, our pastors, uh, 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 our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. We forgive from our heart. Grace us. Help us, Holy Spirit. We will to forgive. Cleanse us and wash us. Purge us whiter than snow by the blood of the Lamb from the contamination of unforgiveness and resentment and bitterness and anger and frustration and aggravation and spiritual murder. Forgive us, O God. From that deadly spirit of pride and arrogance and conceit, haughtiness and high-mindedness. Forgive us tonight from that deadly spirit of self-importance in the name of the Lord Jesus. That deadly spirit of entitlement. Cleanse us and wash us and purge us. We ask it in the name of Jesus and we renounce these things. And right now in the name of Jesus, we release the curse of God through the spirit of unforgiveness. We curse unforgiveness. We curse bitterness and anger. We curse you. We have no part with you, and you have no part with us. Cleanse, I pray, Lord God Almighty, this audience in Jesus' mighty name. Let the blood of Lamb purge, and let it go throughout the fiber optics of this radio program in Jesus' name. 
and those that's come in by archives, let the spirit of conviction fall upon them for change. And we sealed every man, woman, boy, and girl under the sound of my voice by the blood of the Lamb. And we thank God for the active work of the Holy Spirit, bringing glory and praise to Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been your host, Dr. J. McKenzie, the Master Key. Continue to pray for us as we pray for one another. We pray for you every day. We love you and appreciate you. Tell someone about their last Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday prayer. Tell somebody about the program on tomorrow at 1 o'clock. God bless you.